welcome back to another week of the DP World Tour Picks and Bets. Skylar Oak here, Tom Jacobs, how are we doing? I'm good. I feel like you just had a breeze pick up just as just as we started there, and uh, typical of the Florida weather right now. Uh, we don't need any delays to our uh, to our podcast like there was to the players this week. So, uh, thanks, Florida. Yeah, I'm outside here today recording, popping off from work, and um, yeah, it's uh, going to be a breezy one again. Probably next week at the Valspar. The players has been something else, and unless uh, you lived outside of Europe or the United States, you probably didn't catch much of the My Golf Life Open last week as there was literally zero TV coverage to watch Pablo Larothable go through with a playoff victory over Arnas and Smith. Not much on the event. Um, it was just quite the, the low scores. Yeah, I mean, look, we, we, we thought there'd be low scores. Um, you know, there was generous fairways and I think we're pretty on to similar this week. Um, you know, it was a case of staying hot all week long um interestingly we sort of mentioned laruff about a couple of podcasts ago on um just the fact that he was sort of showing uncharacteristic um what's the word Cons- uh, consistent form and, and then when i look back at it he actually has we need to go back to the sort of middle of his career and the start he actually was very consistent it's only been the later kind of years that he's gone inconsistent but that was the first time in his career that he's finished uh with three straight top tens on any tour um and he kept it off for a win, which was which was good for him. Um, you know, not not good for our bets, obviously, but uh, but good for him. Yeah, all three of uh, the playoff contenders are golfers that I'd almost consider when they're so perfect to pick. When everything lines up, they seem to be the ones that end up not coming through. So for all three of them to do it at short odds, um, you know, quite impressive. And it once again just gets shorter. Um, as we look onto this week, as um, you know, Audrey leads the field in odds. Burmester Smith sixteens. Um, you know, Pablo again twenty to one. I mean, we're popping over to Johannesburg for the Stein City Championship, but doesn't seem to be all that much different from a course perspective. No, it very much looks like wide open fairways again. Uh, the bunkers. Uh, heavily bunkered is how they call it uh, and obviously water in play which is going to be their defense but as we saw last week there wasn't really any defense right um, I, I think these guys are going to you know rip it up and it's just going to be a case of who makes as many putts because you know I think these there, there are a lot of guys that can bomb it off the tee as we mentioned last week um, you know there's guys that are going to get hot with their irons although um, I do think that some of the you, you mentioned last week about being cautious on some of the challenge tour uh, statistics with strokes gain data and the Sunshine Tour. I think the European Tour or the DP World Tour stuff is a little bit suspect as well now. So um, I've, I've decided to to not get too heavily involved in that and just go with kind of my gut this week. And, and also, really, I, I found it really hard, as I said sort of last week, to get a feel for this event. So I've kind of stayed light to an extent. Yeah, I, I don't think that's a bad thing when, yeah, a weaker field, tough to rely stats, strokes gained for 70% of the field. Ross Fisher was missing a stroke somewhere in a strokes gained assist statistics in round one for a good amount of time. You know, there was some some oddities. Um, but yeah, I think some of, but to your point, some of the challenge and Sunshine Tour guys, though, could compete. I mean, unfortunately for Tristan Stridham, if he, if he didn't shoot 74 in round three, I mean, he was right there in the thick of it for us, which would have been a, a huge, huge victory. Um, but other guys played well too. And you get decent odds again from this week. So uh, I don't think we're going to like 
deep dive throughout the field as again, there's not all that many that are intriguing, but we definitely found some that caught our eye. Um, but before diving in, if you are somebody who prefers audio version, uh, if you are a podcast listener on your phone, on any of the podcast platforms, you can find us on Daily Fantasy Sports Picks and Bets, The Mix. We'd appreciate a good rating and review there. Um, it goes a long way for Mayo Media Network and myself and Tom. So with that, though, Tom, top of the board area, um, is there anybody who caught your eye from the odds? I think I think the obvious one, and the name that's going to be very popular this week, is George Cozier, right? Like he was, he was pretty popular last week. Um, at a bigger price he's now the price he probably should be I guess in these quality of fields and he closed out with a nice 64 uh, to finish just one shot adrift of that playoff contention now he's shown us that do do we go in um, I haven't just because of, of what I said earlier I've kind of decided to go light and, and maybe just take a few chances and, and to get involved with someone you know like a coat Z you'd probably want to you know have a decent bet on them so um I've tried to take the top of the market on, but for me, it would be George Cozier if I had to pick one. Yeah, no fault there. Um, great Sunday, 64 for him. The one to me, and this is just more odds. If I'm looking at golfers, I mean, you mentioned those three off the top that were in the playoff. Um, and then you go to recent string of form. Um, it's very difficult to say many have been better than Matthew Pavan. Um, and is he somebody who we can really I, I was going to say trust, but like in these situations, in these fields, I, I don't really want to think of it too much. I mean, you know, if you don't get, you know, instead of top 10 finishes or like what, third, 30th, 6th, 15th in his four events this year, say there was, uh, you know, a second and maybe an eighth, you know, instead of a third and a 15th, I think you see him low 20s. And it's just something where he's right there, one bad round last week. Uh, 73 in round three kind of prevented it. So I, I think for him, there's enough in the recent form that regardless of course fit or anything, he, he shouldn't be double the odds of some of the others. I think I think there's a trio of golfers and they're all actually next to each other on the odds checker grid in uh, in Marcus Armitage, Matthew Pavon and Oliver Becker. And and they fit that exact bill that you said that in in a in a proper DP World Tour strong event, you'd probably say, look, you, you don't want them leading on a Sunday. You'd be quite nervous once coming from behind, right? But in this level of field, and and Laurie Cantor's actually right there as well, and he he opened up a forty to one, and I thought with his strong driving, uh, generally, I thought he'd be interesting. But um, Roman Legasque as well in in that range will all have their backers. You know, they're all hitting the ball well, supposedly. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to really tell, but. Generally speaking, with someone like Cancer and Armitage and Pavon, you, you can expect them to hit it well, um, and the stats wouldn't be too far out. Yeah, Oliver Becker, to your point, too, right there with him. But yeah, that to me, just from an odds, and if I'm going to plant my flag at somebody low, and the rest for me are, are beyond 50 to 1, so I'm more than okay um, leaning with Pavon as my selection there. But you get going right around in that 50 range, I believe, is where this golfer uh, wind up in the odds. Talk to us about Brandon Stone. Brandon Stone is is someone that you know we've seen him win good golf tournaments on the on the DP World Tour or the European Tour when he was winning, um, and and he's not quite done it for a while, right? He's he's been away for a little while. He hasn't he hasn't been in the winners' circle, and you know as it is always with you know, either get the English guys people get carried away with South African guys people get carried away because there's those corollaries that you can make. Oh, it's the next fleet with the next Hatton, it's the next louis the next whatever people tend to do that right and, and he won twice in 2016 uh and once again in 2018 at the scottish open and, and people do get carried away but converse or oppositely 
that's not even a word, but you know what I'm trying to say, to, to against that is that people have seemed to have kind of forgotten about him a little bit. And now he's kind of showing that form that suggests that he's treading water without actually getting those results. So 26th, 35th, 20th, miscut 18th. Um, he was fourth after 36 holes at the Razal Kaima Championship, uh, but shot a third round 77. Um, and then he was top 20 or better after every round at the Razal Kaima Classic and started with 67, close with 66. And then he was seventh again after 36 holes last week. And I just think that we're talking about people maybe a little bit above the class. And we said that with Coach Zia last week, you know, Larafa Bell would certainly fit into that bill generally in terms of his career uh, achievements. Brandon Stone is in that, right? There's not many three-time winners in this field um, at the top level. Um, okay, two of those obviously came in South Africa, but one was a very good one in the Scottish Open. And he's also lost in a playoff at the Amman Open as well, Sammy Valamaki. So um, Brandon Stone at 50 to 1, long way of saying I thought he was he was overpriced and, and could go up. Yeah, Stone is somebody that I'm never surprised to see on a, a top of a leaderboard, no matter oh, where to get he right. it up. Yeah, yeah, but very, very high variance. Um I'm leaning with another selection, I guess. I, I realize he's a little bit shorter than 50s um, now. And it's a golfer that I do not feel comfortable backing at all. Golfer that you habitually, um, I would say, are on. Not at these short odds, though, um, but probably the best ball striker all year on the European tour of this, um, of this crew has to be Ross Fisher. Every single week, man, gaining multiple strokes, ball striking per round, just best of the bunch. And I thought last week I left him off because exactly what I think of Ross Fisher and and that that ability to get over the line. And if we're going to have another similar course fit, we're going to see him at 45 to 1. And he just has off-the-tee approach dialed in. I mean, he did it on, on Thursday. He, he had a chance on Sunday, and it just didn't go his way. And I think for Ross, there's just enough for me. I would really kick myself missing out because all the stats line up. Yeah, so Ben Coley did a tweet, um, you know, midway through February and sort of said, who's the person that sort of caught your eye on DP World Tour this season? Who should we be looking out for? And you responded with a couple of guys sort of on, on the younger side of things. And, and I kind of went with Ross Fisher in the set that he'd made five of his last seven cuts, three or four in 2022, including that second, obviously, uh, at one of those res events. And, you know, his off the tee game has come back to, to what we expect from Ross Fisher. And that was a weapon for him back in the day, like a huge weapon. And I sort of said he... I said he was before his time and I sort of drew back a little bit on that because he, he wasn't. But... He, he was of that mould of, of the, the modern type golfer, right? He hits it really well off the tee, can get it hot with his irons, can get a hot putter, and, and that's what you need. And um, I like Ross Fisher. I think he's great. He was, what was he, 70 to 1 last week? Uh, he was 100 to 1 before that. And, and to be honest, like, okay, you know, it's, it's not something you, you maybe feel comfortable with dropping down to kind of 45, 50 to 1. But, you know, it's all in front of you. He's doing everything right. And he showed in those Raz events that he kind of went back to back and, He's, he's got a chance of doing that. Okay, it's not on the same course, but it's, you know, very close together. And I think that's a good price. Yep, totally agree. Um, without going deeper, I, I have to mention this, man. I, I couldn't have been more disappointed in Wilco last week. Oh. Like, that round two was putrid. I mean, to go after, I think you finished seven under in the first round and to miss the cut on a picture-perfect course for you like that, that's close to losing my faith in 
in backing him, especially, I mean, the number got lower this week, you know, like there was <laughs> That's what I can understand. It's just strange. Yeah. Um, there was zero chance, but man, that was disappointing. That's, you know, a decent run if he, he made the cut. So I think that just kind of points out that he was maybe the wrong price last week. Like when he was 60 to one last week, I think that was quite generous. You know, it was a course that he yeah. had that kind of history on a bit of amateur stuff. And I know we don't play too much into that, but it was a nice addition. And like you said, it was just, it just lined up perfectly, but how he got shorter after, like you say, probably the worst miscut of the season, because, you know, he seven under misses a cut. I mean, that's the Keegan Bradley territory, right? And I know, I know the scoring was low and it was a high cut to make and stuff like that, but it was just so bad. Like, you know, he, he wasn't even that far away. He just, couldn't get the birdies on the par five. If he got through the cut, you'd expect him to have a decent third round in climb as well. So um, that was disappointing. Another guy in that range is Shavanka Sharma, who I do think we, we kind of mention him probably every every video or podcast uh, in one way or another. He had those really good tee screen numbers for a lot of last season. Um, and, and he played well recently as well. So he'd be interesting at kind of that sort of price. But um, the next guy you're going to mention, I actually think is a lot more interesting at the odds. Yeah, I mean, we, we mentioned it last week, and I don't, I don't really even need to go into extreme detail of Dristan Lawrence. Um, you know, did everything two weeks ago from a ball striking perspective to finish second um, when no one really sniffed Ashen Wu. Um, but his numbers were approaching um, strongly, even in a miscut the week before that. So you build off two rounds, you build the four rounds, and then just a strong performance overall, I'd say, last week. Uh, you know, for him to, I mean, be middling, so 14th and off the team, 15th in approach, um, you know, a top 20 putting, just a, a good overall week. Thought we'd sneak out of place perhaps at 110 to 1, which would have been really, really nice. Uh, finished a couple strokes short of that. But yeah, at the shortened odds, but not short enough, like there's no way I'd be betting Wilco before him. Uh, or, or even somebody, I mean, like Henny, Henny had a really good run, you know, obviously last week, uh, you know, wouldn't be there. Van Tonder, like some of these guys and Thrissen is like 42 to one in some books in the States. I've seen that like at FanDuel, but, um, there's still 66 is available and I'm absolutely going back to the ball. Yeah. Like it's one of those ones. I think it's a classic, um, you, you could just jump off too early, right? You know, we, we saw him win the Joburg Open. Okay, it was shortened. So we don't quite know what he's going to be like with uh, four rounds. And you could argue that, that when he's had the chance to go four rounds, he hasn't quite got it done. But um, I, I like these guys that have just been here for X amount of time. They've been on the Sunshine Tour. They've been on the, the Challenge Tour events in South Africa. They now play Kenya and, and last week's event. Like the fact they're just going sort of back to back and string starts going, maybe there's a little bit of fatigue that might kick in. Um, certainly that might be a little bit of concern with someone like JC Ritchie who just keeps playing. But, um, you know, I think I think all those guys, it's, it's a really hard event to separate. I mean, I, I initially had Jorge Campillo written down and the only thing that's kind of drawing me off of him is the possibly not the most suitable course. Like he was fourth out of 54 holes in Kenya, which was probably a better track for him. Uh, 28th last week. It was it was the eye catching 65 to start last week that I thought that you know you wouldn't think of Jorge Campillo as um, you know a bomber, which he isn't. He's very good on his technical tracks, um, but but I thought he was impressive enough and a decent odds. But um, I kind of went against him in the end and tried to take some longer shots. Yeah, I mean, this is where we really kind of go to the next level of of getting deeper into the odds, multiple selections that are triple fit, triple digits. Um, on both of our ends, let's uh, let's open up 
as we align on one, how about you open up with Richard Sterney? Richard Sterney is a guy uh, sort of similar to Darren Ficker. I think that we sort of mentioned a few times before. Very experienced, long in the tooth. Not, you know, you're not going to learn anything new about Richard Sterney, right? Like he, he's just what he is at this stage of his career. Um, you know, he's 40 years old. Not necessarily uh, the biggest hitter, but very good, you know, technically. And, you know, he's got six wins at the at the DP World Tour level. Um, obviously, all generally quite a long time ago, but the last one of those came in 2013. He beat Charles Schwarzer by seven strokes. Like, he's just very comfortable um, winning in South Africa. And it's just a form. Like, I, I, just, I was just surprised. I didn't think he'd be able to sort of keep up with those guys uh, on that course last week. And, and he's just been there, right? And, you know, that, that's that's pretty impressive. Um, 26th and 5th the last two weeks. He was 12th after 54 holes two weeks ago. Opened 64-65 this week and was actually uh, second after 54 again. And, you know, I think there was just a bit of rust in contention last week. Like he's probably not been there for a little while. Um, again, maybe it just caught up with him course fit. And that is the kind of concerns. But I think that's all built into the kind of 125 to 1 price. Yeah. Um, didn't he have an injury that he came back from last year? I think it yeah, was. Yeah, he, 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 some... he was off for a while. I think it was his elbow or something like that, which older guy. Yeah, yeah. It wear out over time. Um, <laughs> but no, I think I think there was absolutely a few things that, that catch the eye. Um, when I start looking into these long shots, I, I love just really recent form. And again, that kind of got us on a thrist and stride him. Um, last week, or Tristan Stridham last week, that um, tour tips, you know, had him as one of the better trending players statistically for the course setup last week. Um, and that right there um, is exactly what Keenan Davidson is doing too. I was actually kicking myself early on Thursday morning um, when he shot that 65 inside the top 10. I was like, he was very obviously the next one after Stridham when it came to some of those statistics. I mean, if they're rounding him out fifth the week before, 15th, 25th, 9th, where his incoming statistical form ratings, um, and then he goes fifth again last week. So you're getting that for 175 to one. Um, you know, overall, it just feels – I'm not chasing. I mean, he finished, what, he had top 10? Yeah, and – and then he had two top tens before that six fourth and, and four. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So those were best two performances, obviously, of the, the year. And then he, he hasn't got a win to his OWGR name and has been a professional since 09. So it's been about a time. But in those places, you know, we're seeing some of these long shots get up there, especially the weaker field. So I'm absolutely willing to, to get on there. I know we're both aligned in that same sense with Davidson. Yeah. So with, with, with Keane Davids, it's, you mentioned tour tips and it's, it's a great resource. It's something that we use it. I think it's a, you know, what it is fantasy national is to the PJ tour tour tips probably is to the DP world tour. Right. And it gives you their actual stroke average over the last, and I do it for the last eight weeks. And then it gives you an adjusted, which is based on field strength and things like that. So Keenan Davids is uh, 69.09 is stroke average at the moment, which is only better by Adrian house uh, in that span. And even when you adjust it to field strength, like he's still the 32nd strongest player in the field, which he's not being priced like. And you mentioned like, you know, the, the fourth and sixth, he's gone 42nd, 29th, fourth, sixth in that run of four events before coming into last week. And I just, had he have not played brilliant, like had he have finished like 40th last week, it had been really easy to avoid because you think, okay, step up in class, he's kind of found his level, but he was never outside of the, the top 20 all week. Like you say, 65 on the opening day, 
Um, three straight 69s after that, so broke 70 every round. Um, didn't quite go low enough, but interesting enough, um, I was speaking to Bradley Todd earlier and I sort of mentioned I was going to sort of go for him and he said that he'd found a, an interesting quote from him and I found an article um, that basically just said that he he needed the guts to go and take up membership. Like his friends convinced him to go and get a challenge door membership. He now feels quite determined to, to kind of push on. He's obviously found a, a new level in his game. Uh, he's got a, a baby due on the 28th of March. If um, you know, if you if you're into that kind of baby swag thing, um, so yeah, I, I think he's you know fourth and sixth in those two co-sanctioned events with the Challenge Tour. Um, as we keep saying, these aren't massively different to Challenge Tour events. I know there's some some big guys in there, but um, I, I think he can make the step up. So Keenan Davids, I think his name is. Um, uh, again, I would now not be able to pick him out of a lineup because I've got a picture of him right in front of me. Um, but um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. Yeah, it's I think a little bit of settling to that compared to the way the South African swing was prior um, and where it was just those three events kind of standalone. The lead in of the challenge tour into this is pretty nice because these guys probably got to be comfortable a little bit more than they were before you know in in bigger stages than what they have each week so now a month straight of playing on these events settling them in um, i think it's a a great convincing factor there i got one more for me i know you got a pair so so let's pop over to you yeah so ewan ferguson i thought was was really overpriced and i thought he was just gonna be two shorts back but he was the 54 hole leader in kenya and there's no getting away from the fact that he was bad on sunday like but that was probably the first experience of, of really having a chance to win at this level um you know he's had some good rounds flashed in the past but you know we spoke about him as one of those kind of promising guys coming off the challenge tour in the past and then last week he was 11th after 54 holes only five back and i think he probably just got a little bit too aggressive i mean again i didn't see any of it so i'm not going by something i've, I've seen or read i'm just going by instinct in the sense that if someone's five back and, and they end up shooting a, you know late 70s uh, score it's probably because they tried too hard um, and, and doesn't quite know how to let the event come to him yet. With that said, you know, that's two real learning experiences for him now. And, you know, we see it time after time that these guys, they get chucked back and, you know, especially these high potential guys that have maybe been around a little bit longer than people remember, like Sam Burns on the PJ Tour. He's not that level, right? But, you know, he had that that run at the Genesis where he was a leader for 54 holes, uh, wired to wire and then struggled and then come back and won the Valspar. Ewan Ferguson, I think could do that in this kind of field. And that's a, that's a really extreme example of it. Um, but I think that's the type of upside that he has at this level, uh, especially in this slightly weaker setup with the, with the African guys. Do you know where Ewan's best uh, DP world tour finish was? Go for it. Belgian knockout 2019. Do you know who Guido. he lost to? We miss you, my friend. We miss you, Guido. You know, we only got one more event before the Masters, so you got to tune up. We we need you. We need you. People forget that he is in the Masters, folks. So uh, we're coming up quick. But um, let's. uh, I'll go back to to my final one, and again, staying very similar to um, David C. David C. David S. E. How do you spell that that name? But uh, Trevor Fisher Jr. Um, you know, a, I guess, recent form, um, is a little bit jumbled from a, you know, miscut 12th, 29th, miscut 10th, 14th led into last week where I I would dare say he played very well last week, you know, finished 11th overall, 65, 67, 71, 68. 
um, were his closing um, numbers. But if you looked at him from a statistical standpoint, again, second in that stat form, miscut, 10th, 12th, miscut, third, his last in the time before that, fourth. So, you know, when he makes that cut, he just does the right things. Uh, again, we don't have anything concrete because we don't have the, the best statistical numbers. But I think overall, again, chasing that same shot um, with it is is exactly lined up for, for both those golfers. So, And they're both long odds that play, pay well in the, the top, you know, 5, 10 market, 150, 175 to 1 for these two golfers. So those are my two rounding out my cards. You know how many Sunshine Tour wins Trevor Fisher Jr. has? Uh, I guess two. Nine. Nine? He has nine Sunshine Tour victories. I mean, this is a it's a long career, right? The first one came in 2003. He's 42 years of age. But the last one of those was a co-sanctioned uh, European Tour event where he beat Matt Ford by five strokes. So 63-64 over the weekend. He's also been in five playoffs and lost three of them. Um, oh. One of them to JC Ritchie in 2017. One of them to Louis Diego in 2019. So there is a lot of experience there for Trevor Fisher Jr. And like you said, that... The kind of current form has been jumbled, but it's it's promising, right? And, and these guys are priced like they can't win, like that, that. That's how they are priced, and I just find that I don't find it disrespectful. I don't care, but like I think it's surprising that you know it's almost being treated like it's a completely different level to what they've played and won at before. Um, so I thought that'd be quite interesting to mention. Yeah, no, that that is a good stat. Um, I like it. It's compelling for Trevor Fisher. <laughs> Um, Stephen Brown is, is another guy that we so Jason likes still these course correlation things on the Lost Words podcast and he mentioned the Portugal uh, Masters last week and obviously that's an event that Stephen Brown's won uh, was very very good on the final day to win there and I sort of said you know if that's a, a course that that's kind of getting compared to um, I know he's been on, on a horrendous run of form but that could work and he was like T23 last week I think it was um 68 68 over the weekend now if he's coming back to form this is a guy that held off matt wallace uh when he was charging for Ryder cup spot um held off um lee westwood in that same tournament um you know it's it's interesting i think that sorry i'll get confused with stephen brown but, but he didn't head off matt wallace but he, he, he has played very very well and i just think that he's a guy that has a lot of upside and if he can channel it, then, you know, I think he can win his tournament. He was he was a part of that playoff that um, Matt Wallace won, the made in Denmark. So he he actually gave that up to Matt Wallace, uh, was, was where I was going with that. But um, again, he beat Brandon Stone, Justin Waters at the Portugal Masters by one stroke. So a bit of a South African link with that Portugal Masters. Um, you know, this is a guy that, you know, it's only three years removed from that win. Uh, I've spoken to him before. He's very confident in his game, thinks he's a good ball striker, um, probably thinks he's a better putter than he actually statistically shows that he is. So um, that's a confidence thing as well. Um, you know, it, it, it's a long shot. It's not one I'm going to get heavily involved in, but just a guy to keep an eye on uh, as someone that is very experienced. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, again, just a little bit of a pulse and a couple of correlations down here and, and we're in. It doesn't take much. <laughs> um, so to, to look at the DP World Tour schedule, I mean, as we finish up, like I mentioned, there's, there is only one more event in advance of um, the Masters. So we'll be back next week 
uh, for the Qatar Masters. Um, and then there's nothing back until April 21st. So a little bit of time. Tom's going to come over here to the States for a little bit, enjoy a trip. Um, you know, I have my, my favorite event of the year is actually next week with the, with the match play. But again, we're just not getting that presence from our guys enough um, to be no, able to. to show, yeah. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so you'll see us again next week and then we'll be able to uh, take a little bit of time off and you enjoy uh, a nice uh, holiday, as you call it, over, over here. Yes, so, I see. Yeah. Um, um, I really like the Qatar Masters. Though. That's a really good event. It's a nice event for us to probably round off. Um, because I think, you, you know, people that tune into the show and, and ask to obviously present it, you have to be, I would say, a bit of a sicko to enjoy this current run of, of BP World Tour events, right? Like, it is a tough sledding, like, you know, no coverage, very questionable stats, um, you know, odds all over the place. But it's, it's really good to pay attention to the people that are coming in and out of form at this stage, preparing for that Qatar Masters. And you've got two events in Spain back-to-back that... You know, I, I don't know what kind of what fields they're going to get, but one of them is the old um, Q School course, right, at Catalunya. So that's going to be an interesting event. And then you've got the Betfred uh, British Masters as well in May. So there's a decent run of form uh, in between those kind of uh, two majors, the Masters and the PGA Championship. So um, I think it's it's important to stick with us and kind of get the information from these events, even if it's not ones that you're massively uh, involved in. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And uh, if any of our fans are going to listeners are going to go to the Valspar, uh, Axis and I will be there for a couple of days this week. So reach out um, down here in Tampa my way. So, but let's round out uh, our cards here and we'll close out. Yeah. So for me, it was uh, Brandon Stone at 50 to one, uh, Richard Sterney at 125 to one. I think he was. Uh, we're both in on Keenan Davidzi at 175 to one. Ewan Ferguson, 150 to one. And Stephen Brown, I think, was like 275 to one. Um, and, and once again, Sky, I'm, I'm tempted to, to follow you in on the Thristen Lawrence again. But um, the, the, the dropping odds did put me off slightly, but I think they're warranted. Yeah, absolutely. For me, Matthew Pavan, 35 to one. Ross Fisher, 45. Thristen Lawrence, 66. Keenan Davidzi, 150. Trevor Fisher Jr., 175. And that will close us out for another week on DP World Tour Picks and Bets. Appreciate you guys for listening. Take care.